0: Hello, hello, hello. This is Misty Magdalena Grace with the new and improved version of Healthy and Wealthy and Wise, where we talk about spirituality, psychedelics, plant medicine, microdosing, and really that journey within to finding your best innate wisdom, to your best health, your best wealth, through all sorts of inner child healing, trauma release, grief recovery, Uh, overcoming addictions, and working with the mind, the body, and spirit. So go ahead, leave a review, subscribe, download. We look forward to your feedback. Thanks for tuning in today. Hey, hey! Happy Tuesday, everyone! And if you uh, if you know, and maybe you don't know, today's also my wedding anniversary. So happy anniversary, honey! <laughs> uh, if you're new to my show, my full name is Misty Magdalena Grace. I go by Magdalena for short. As you heard in the intro, we talk a lot about deep topics um, that really help you go within to creating your best health, your best wealth, uh, and trusting that innate wisdom that lies within. And so, if you're new to my show, also we like to to play along. So if you want. To uh, comment below, hashtag live. uh, If you're on the live where you're tuning in from, city, state, country, and if you're on the replay, hashtag replay. We'd like to acknowledge you. I am streaming live in my Facebook community, on YouTube, on LinkedIn. um, And we have a very special topic today, near and dear to my heart. As most of you know, I've been very open, very transparent about my addiction journey. And I was actually just on this guest podcast. So hopefully you guys got to hear it talking about from addiction to enlightenment. So uh, I'm going to dive right in because we got so much to share with you guys today. Uh, Trisha, I'm excited to have you here. I'm going to bring you on now. Welcome, welcome. I will introduce you a little bit and then um, can't wait to have you share your story. So I met Trisha through the World Wide Web of networking and immediately um, the host of that networking event was like, oh my gosh, um, Magdalena, you work with grief and recovery and you know all that kind of stuff you've got to meet Trisha. And I was like, oh, oh my gosh, I can't thank her enough um, because Trisha has an amazing story. Um, she's a recovery lifestyle enthusiast and she has a 30 year plus story that's filled with languishing in control needs, trauma, chemical substance abuse, dependence, eating disorders, body dysmorphia, abandonment issues, anxiety, and so much more. And and through her journey, she became an international mental health provider, a master addiction specialist. Um, She's also a wife and mother of five grown kids and grandmother of five uh, grandkids ranging from ages two to 15. And uh, so she knows how to have fun and and, uh, live like a kid again. So thank you so much, Tricia, for being here today.
1: Absolutely. I think the pleasure is all mine <laughs> as, as, as usual, right? Like, I love that we were connected just, you know, even even though we're close in proximity, like we wouldn't have met had, had we not been in that space together.
0: Absolutely. So, uh, and, and uh, like we both have found the silver lining in our journeys, but you've had quite quite the road. So I'd love for however you can share whatever you're willing to share about your journey with uh, addiction. And then I know today we're going to talk about navigating addiction through the holidays, which I know you know a lot about.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, I'll be, I, just to lay it out there on the line for anybody listening, I am willing to share every ounce of my story, every, every little piece of it. There isn't anything that, that I feel, isn't worth being heard or shared because it, it it is very beneficial to everybody. It's just far, far, far too long <laughs> for us to, to like really get to because like my story really starts like at the age of four. So, you know, and probably even beyond that, And um, I think I've even actually identified that it started in the womb um, because of the turmoil my parents that raised me were in because of my conception alone. Um, I'm a first Alaskan only and a middle child. And to explain that, you know, to people, right? Like I'm my mother's youngest, my mother and her husband, who was my dad, their youngest. Mm-hmm. I am my biological father's oldest and I'm their only child. Um, and and so, you know, I, to be fun and playful, I can say that I was an affair baby, right? <laughs> And, and so, you know, like, I know that that caused turmoil in, in my mother's marriage. And so I can say that my story did start as far back as, you know, pre, pre Mm -hmm. pre-birth. So, but, but, you know, my story really started that way. I mean, I really think I came out of the womb with perfectionism needs, right? Like with that disorder already. And, and so I had this this internal something that said, I have to be perfect hmm. in all things that I do. So by the time I was four, I was reading, writing, doing arithmetic, playing chess. By the time I was five and a half, I was playing classical piano. And by the time I was six and a half, seven, I was already a competitive swimmer um, and, and training. So, you know, like there was a lot of that going on in there. And... You know, I was, I was also not a stranger to, to alcohol at, in, in even those young ages, right? Like it was, it was no big deal to walk back past dad's beer and pick it up and take a swig. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, not that my parents condoned drinking, but I at that age can identify with just, you know, like walking by and, and, you know, picking it up and taking a swig. Mm -hmm. And I can also identify as a younger child, you know, wanting to go to the big church on communion Sunday, which was the first Sunday of the month because they served real wine in, in the tray. Right. Um, So I've been able to, in my journey, uncover some of those things that were, you know, very much buried in, in, you know, inside. But, so that was there. So, you know, so when some, some more of those traumatizing things happened in my life and my first, my first sexual assault was at the age of four and I, still remember it to this day, you know, um, I'm sure it perpetuated things that were attitudes and behaviors, right. Um, And, and, and so, you know, I had a, you know, kind of a strange relationship with food and fitness. And anyway, when my, when my father that raised me was killed when I was 12, you know, I, I was watching all of the adults you know, and they were talking and they were communicating and they were able to, you know, share. And I was in a trauma state and very closed off. So I was observing them and they were all smoking cigarettes and drinking. So I picked up a six pack of beer and a pack of cigarettes and it was on from there. So that's where my relationship, my true relationship started was at the age of 12. And it it stuck with me. In fact, I worked really hard for 30 years to keep my, my drinking at a, an acceptable level so that it wasn't super derailing. But I had a lot of trauma drinking in there because there were numerous sexual assaults, um, and, uh, rape, domestic violence, emotional abuse that happened, um, in my, in my earlier life. So say between the age of 12, 12 ish, 12, 13, um, and 25, oh, 26. Right. A lot. There was actually five significant incidences and two really negative relationships that happened in there. So I did a lot of trauma drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so at 26, I really started moving into a space of, you know, working really hard to be able to hold on to my alcohol because it was my best friend. And I didn't want I didn't want to lose it from my life. And so I you know worked really hard to figure that out. Now of course I'm skipping completely over my recovery from anorexia, um, and that started when I was roughly 15, and who oh, I really started recovering from that um, from those eating disorders because there were multiple um, around 26. So so when I was you know truly recovering from from anorexia, even though I had already um, attained a a healthy body weight, and was actually, you know, allowing myself to eat things that I would have normally never eaten. Um i was still holding on to the alcohol. And, and I, you know, I maintained for a long time, my husband and I raised five amazing children, as, as, as you said, right. And, and we, we made it through things like our oldest daughter had um, uh, leukemia and um, the other daughter got E. coli and, and developed hemolytic uremic syndrome and had to have, you know, emergency dialysis. Um, there was just a lot, right? There was a lot in a, that, a family that size. And what happened though was I had some near-death experiences. Um, my, my physical body started attacking itself at the age of 18. And so I struggled with a lot of autoimmune disease um through that time period. And so to keep it short, right, by the time I was 29, I had to have a full hysterectomy um, or, or lose my life. So after that hysterectomy at 29, what happened was hormonally I developed generalized anxiety disorder. And my provider who knew I was a daily drinker prescribed Xanax. And continued to pres- provide prescribed low dose Xanax for my anxiety um, over the course of a five year period. Um, what I didn't know that was happening was a synergistic effect inside of my body where it, the addiction was becoming physiological. So my tolerance grew and grew and grew and grew, and the dependence grew, even though I wasn't abusing either. You know, the the prescription. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't taking it for a, you know any sort of a high. It was causing high levels of dependence on the alcohol. So fast forward to the five years after that. Now I'm 43 years old. I have a totally physiological addiction to alcohol, completely incapable to control it, stop, cut down, cut back. So for a control freak, totally devastating. Right. right? For a perfectionist, totally devastating. So what I knew because I was, you know, an intelligent being was that I needed, I needed to do a medical detox that I was in at high risk and, and in danger. In fact, the danger was really that five year period where I was being prescribed a medication that should never have the combination with alcohol. Um, So that's kind of what started my journey here. And I know I skipped over so many important things. Like what did the trauma look like? What did I get over? How did I learn how to look at all of those rapes and sexual assaults as having nothing to do with me? (laughs) Right? Like the the bad action of another being wasn't mine to carry. I was merely the vessel and it hadn't been me. It would have been somebody else. Right. There was a lot of work that had to go into that. Um, and, and I, I did the, and I did the work even though I never let go of the alcohol. So, you know, it made my journey a little bit easier. But as soon as I realized what caused the thing that took me out, right, it took me out from my addiction, if you're familiar with, you know, our regular type of lingo, <laughs> the thing that took me out, like I had to understand it. So I, you know, I went back to school and studied the physiological effects of drugs and alcohol in the body it was, you know, the very first thing I took. I had no intentions of ending up where I am now with 15 different credentials, <laughs> And a, a private practice and, um, you know, speaking publicly, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, you know, the programs that I've cultivated um, are all seated in evidence-based practice. And for the last, well, now 11 years, because I'm patient zero, um, they work. And they've proven to work over and over and over again. So anyway, I'm here. <laughs>
0: Amazing. Well, I mean, that is so, so much to share. And I I know that um, I want to have you on multiple times because there's so many different layers there, you know, talking about trauma and and even anorexia. I mean, there's all these different things that you've experienced in this lifetime. And I'm grateful that you have created your programs and you're sharing that with people. And then I can refer you to because there's there's so much wisdom and compassion that I feel from you, and um, yeah, so grateful that you could be here today. And and we 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 called this episode specifically navigating addiction through the holidays. At the time of this recording, it's just just after Thanksgiving, which we celebrate here in America. Um, but it's also uh, season's of Hanukkah. They just, um, uh, in fact, I think I had a. A dream about Diwali last night, even though that was earlier this month. So it's just like holidays are on the brain. Uh, season's greeting cards are in in the in the aisles at the grocery store. I mean, holiday parties, uh, happy hours, um, traveling to grandma's house, you know, all of these extra things. And if you're struggling with addiction, the holidays can actually really suck. And I know they did for me. I don't know if they ever did for you, but I, I always sort of was afraid of the holidays because I knew this over-consuming person who, you know, struggled with abandonment issues. That was my core wound for, for many lifetimes and ancestral for my reason and coping with drinking and turning to that. It was just too available for me. I couldn't say no. So what do you, what do you, what do you do? Any, any tips? Let's talk about that.
1: Well, I think first and foremost, you know, what I would, what I would, you know, say to anybody and everybody listening is, is to put down or remove, throw in your metaphoric trash can, whatever it is, whatever societal norm you have imprinted inside of you of what recovery really is, what addiction really is. Because here's the thing, society is conditioned just about everybody to think that recovery is, is for those people that are down, out, ill, they're poorly functioning, they need to be removed from their lives, they need to be sent someplace else to be fixed so that they can come back and be okay, right? So addiction is much broader than that, right? Society has a very narrow perspective around those two words, addiction and recovery. Um, addiction is not just chemical substance. It is not just an inability to stop. It is not um, you know somebody that is you know despite negative consequences continues to use. It's not it is those things, but it's not only those things right So you could be leading and and I'm gonna I'm going out on the limb here, <laughs> right but my favorite signature talk to give is why living without habits fixes everything. So we have process addictions. We have behavior addictions, right? So all of these good habits that you think you're building and all of these good habits that you think you're going to fold into your life come January 1 because some curtain's going to raise up and you get a whole new fresh start because it's the beginning of a new year, right? Like it's it's a false sense of security because here's the deal. The definition of habit is impulsive action without a lot of thought. So if you're going through life impulsively and not connected, right? Like, Meg, you know, right? Like we're connected to the work we do. We're connected in to every like intuitively. I know why I say, do, think, feel, believe everything that I do. So mm-hmm. I don't ever habitually get up and go to the gym because if I get up and go to the gym habitually, I am not reaping the benefit. I'm not. Present. So it becomes an addiction. I the, you become addicted almost to your own body, the endorphins that you're creating in your body. So you just have to have it. You can't. Your like your world crumbles. And yeah. all of a sudden, like I couldn't get my 6 a.m. spin class, so I'm gonna be at Grumpy Pants all day. That's just an addictive behavior. Yeah. Same with coffee, right? Instant gratification needs of shopping, cell phone, yep. right? <laughs> you don't answer this message right like sometimes my husband will come in and go are you watching your phone at all and i'm like well it's there but no i'm not right i don't i i don't get sucked in by social media i don't the the scroll thing the tiktok no none of it right like i'm on social media to to raise awareness that i'm here for somebody that my message resonates with but that's about it (laughs) right um but so all of these things we
0: have a habitual way of doing things. Those are all addiction. I 100% agree with you.
1: By the way, I just
0: have to say that I, I fully, I'm, I'm grateful that you say that because a lot of times when people think, of, I, I've invited people to addiction webinars or talks or things, and they're like, "Oh, but I'm, I'm not addicted to anything. Why would I show up?" And I'm like, oh, I'm, you just answered my message like in a nanosecond. So I'm guessing you probably are addicted to something,
1: <laughs> right? Yeah." we all have that. So so you know back to your original question like what suggestions do I have? Well, one, number one, I want you to throw away any idea you have of creating a new year's resolution. Hmm. Right? I want you to 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 take a look at your relationship with whatever your thing is. Is it sugar? Is it shopping? Is it people-pleasing codependency? Is it perfectionism? Is it alcohol? Is it opiate, pain medication? Is it the Kratom you can buy over the counter in the whatever? Whatever it is for you, mm-hmm. right? Like we're all unique individual beings. Maybe it's just Ben and Jerry's and it's no other kind of ice cream. I don't care. Like, it doesn't matter. I want you to look at whatever it is that's holding you hostage <laughs> and, and, and ask yourself, are you ready to be free? Are you ready to be done?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? Because you don't need a resolution about it. You just need to make a, ch- a decision because mm-hmm. it's a choice. It's a choice until it becomes a physiological addiction, of course, but it's still a choice. So, you know, you want to, you know, to get through in the holidays, you want to make that decision, right? So, so as we're getting ready to go into Christmas, all of the holiday parties, all of the, everything drive me insane because Christmas is, you know, what it is. It's one day, maybe, you know, one to seven days, depending upon your religion. Right. And it's not our birthday. I don't know why we celebrate ourselves so much in this space, but we do. Right. And it's not even about us. But anyway, I want you to take a look at that and say, you know, what, what kind of limits and limitations can I, can I negotiate with myself so that I don't come out the end of this holiday season with all of the guilt, shame, remorse, whatever. Also, I want you to I want you to be willing to do some self-observation. The next time you go out and have a, I don't know, drinking binge or you have a ton of sweets, right? Like look at your own attitude and behavior after. See, some people are like raising their hand right now, like, I don't have an addiction. I only drink on the weekends, blah, blah, blah. Well, here's the deal. You drink all weekend long. You set yourself up Monday through Thursday for the next four days. You're going to have anxiety and depressive states, probably be irritated, agitated, annoyed, frustrated, and bothered by a lot of things. Come Thursday, you're going to start feeling better, which is what gives you the okay to reward yourself again on Thursday night, happy hour, Friday, Saturday, whatever. But it's you're drinking on the weekends, significantly on the weekend, you're, you're signing up for it. So mm-hmm. I want you to, before you start to drink on a Friday night or at that Thursday evening holiday party, before you start to drink at it, I want you to tell yourself, I'm signing up for irritation, agitation, frustration, anxiety, and depressive states for the next four days, and I'm okay with that.
0: And yeah, you're taking responsibility for it.
1: Because that's physiologically going to go on in your body. It's going to happen, whether it's you know, everybody's got their own thing, right? Like if you and I stub our toe on the exact same rock at the exact same velocity, our, our responses to it may be different. Right. right. Like I, I know this because like, I, I have, I've met people and we've, we've compared and it's like one person's going to put their foot up and be like, I can't walk for, you know, until whenever the toe heals me, I'm taping them together and I'm moving on. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, like if I, if I stub and break a toe, it's no big deal to me. If somebody else stubs and breaks a toe, it's catastrophic, right? So, you know, how that, how that anxiety and depressive states really shows up for you or that irritation um, could be different, right? Like if yours is low level severity, good for you. But still acknowledge that it exists, Great. right? <laughs> still acknowledge that that's why you have a short fuse with your kids on Monday morning. still acknowledge that's why you're annoyed with your spouse right on monday evening whatever yeah um so there's two right and please don't make me summarize them um so, so there's there's two recommendations and and then my my third recommendation is is for for you to 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 examine what I refer to as your locus of control, because I'm, I'm I'm a Julian Rotter fan, and his theory on locus of control is is huge for me. Um, in fact, I've expanded on it greatly over the years since I've been in service, um, in my own life and in the life of others. But so, if you're in an external locus of control, this is this is where the issue lies, right? So this is where you give an emotional purpose to the alcohol right like the alcohol is going to make things more fun ah it takes away my social anxiety oh like i'm so you know it it, it just makes it the party funner or get this it's going to de-stress me at the end of a really hectic week like i just need a drink i deserve right? it yeah. i deserve it or whatever your reason is, if you've given an emotional purpose to that glass of wine that we all know isn't just one glass of wine, but even if it is only one glass and you keep telling yourself that, right? Like if it's one glass of wine, great, whatever it is. But if it has an emotional purpose, it's an inappropriate relationship.
0: Mm-hmm. You are
1: relying on something outside of you to bring you peace, joy, comfort, relief, right? And if you're reliant on another being, right, to bring you valid Validity, value, validity, and worthiness. Right? Then you're addicted to other people, mm-hmm. like, right? Your their stamp of approval. So what we want to realize is that glass of wine's purpose should be, should never be anything more than pairing well with your food on your table. Hmm. Right? No. If it doesn't have an emotional purpose to change your headspace, to calm your nervous system. And what other purpose
0: does
1: it have,
0: Yeah. Yep. right? I, I learned for me, like helping me and, and this is every different strokes for different folks. So please hear me out on this because I know I'll probably have a lot of people um, that would disagree with me. But for me, uh, the the demonization of alcohol and the guilt and shame that I felt and I beat myself up with a flagellation whip. Right. That was worse than the actual addiction itself for me. Once I cleansed and cleared that, and then I also saw alcohol as our ancestors did, by the way, as sacred and more of a mm-hmm. like a celebration. Mm-hmm. Let's break bread together. Hello, communion wine, sacred. Um, we've lost a lot of the sacredness about any rituals or any routines, and we just, you know, go into the numbing phase. So I don't know if that if that helps at all or if that makes it worse. But I just want to say that that no, is one of the things. That I love
1: that. Because absolutely, if it's a if it's a sacred sacred ritual, right? Like the kava ceremony in in Fiji, right? Like I've done those; they're really cool. The stuff tastes miserable, but they're really cool, right? <laughs> like you know. So they're yes, if it's for a ritual and you're what you're, and you have to be able to honestly, right, in 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 here, like tell you know, be able to tell yourself, like I'm not just seeking to numb. And alter myself beyond recognition because this life that I'm living is just unbearable to face. But for a healing or for a ritual ceremony, all of those things, great. Again, change your relationship with what it is. It's not meant to reward you because you went to work Monday through Friday. Like everybody has to work. Okay. Like don't, don't start telling yourself it's it's a reward for something that you're meant to do. Um, but I mean, we could dive into the locus of control, but, but take a look at how much you rely on these things outside of you to bring you peace, joy, comfort, relief, value, validity, or worthiness, right? So people, places, things, consider your environments also, right? If I can't get to the gym, uh, external locus of control. Yeah. If you ever say you make me feel that's an external locus of control.
0: mm. Nobody wow. has
1: the power to make you feel, think, or believe anything you don't want to. You choose it. So, when we're in the holiday season, right? It's it's normal for us to get offended by somebody. It's a, it's normal for us to you know like follow suit and join the party. It's it's we're we're constantly in that external. Like, am I buying enough gifts? You know, is is my gift going to be good enough? Are they going to praise me for it? You know, like it was my needle good enough. You know, all all the things, right? Yeah. External, external, external. So we need to get more into an internal locus of control. And that's not to say be self-serving and you know, self-centered. But you gotta be self self self-serving, right? You gotta live for yourself first without feeling guilty, selfish, punished, or restricted. Yeah. And then if you think you really have a problem with whatever it is, right? Like reach out to either one of us, but you know, like I'm I'm super passionate about fostering positive change Mm -hmm. and empowerment through what I consider to be right. The recovered life now, uh, you know, we've kind of already touched on it, but in this world, right. Recovery is viewed as a challenge to overcome. But I believe, and I know Magdalena does too, right? We believe that it's a transformative journey. Mm-hmm. Right? It's a choice that we make each and every day to live with intention, mm-hmm. purpose, and ownership. I mean, I don't know, I can't speak for you, right? But you know, for you know, it having a recovered life is yeah. is not just about abstaining from substances, right? It's it's about embracing principles that lead to a life of complete fulfillment, right? Like we get to explore the power of choice, the principles of living a fully recovered life, and the, the, the profound I- idea of taking ownership of our own recovery journey. So when we do that, we're we're looking at making a commitment of personal growth. We're looking at resilience. We're mm-hmm. looking at the pursuit of, of an authentic life.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's- being vulnerable too, being willing to, to share and open up and be vulnerable. I know that was the hardest part for me because yeah. I was a recovering perfectionist myself. Uh, so I, I didn't want to look like I didn't have all my shit together. So being able to be vulnerable helped me then become more authentic which is why i was so you know excited to have you on because you and i were now we get it you know the more we hide or try to Mm -hmm. you know cover it and put it under the rug or whatever it just the worse it gets because then it just creates more guilt and shame and and we become addicted to the guilt and shame cycle too so it's it's just a Mm -hmm. a constant loop so i love that authenticity ownership and stop giving your power away because you know, for me, holidays were tough because of my religion wound, um, some family of origin stuff, feeling like the black sheep. So I would, I I became a victim of that. Like I created that and I, I didn't want to take ownership. I gave my power away to the holidays, to the party, to the family, to the whatever. Uh, so it, it took a lot of work to be able to come out on the other side of that and, and take my power back. So I like ownership, but then also empowerment would be another word and and you said it too so
1: yeah you know and and i'm sitting here and i'm thinking right like th- for our very purpose of getting together here right now um and i don't have it with me but um you know for all of you that are cuz i realized i just told you not to make new year's resolutions but um, <laughs> but for all of you and and i and i still i stand by that but i know so many of you are planning right? Yeah, because it's you're an you're you're we're addicted to that. that. We're
0: addicted to that.
1: Yeah. 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 And, but so right now we're sitting here gearing up for dry January, whether that's alcohol or you're going on that crash diet, right? Like it's, you know, I'm just going to all uncomfortable. it. But so if you're, if you're gearing up for dry January and, and it happens to be from a chemical substance, right? Even sugar. Um. So alcohol, drugs, even if it's prescription and even sugar, right? Like I I want you to be aware of the fact that there's things that you're going to experience that, that can help you. If you know what's happening to you during this period will help you get through it. So depending on your level of severity, et cetera, right? Like how much withdrawal you need to do. Um, mm-hmm. Some people may not experience any withdrawal and, and, but, you're still going to experience what we refer to as pause, right? So post-acute withdrawal. Um, and it may be super low level, but when you when you remove something that you've utilized habitually for a period of time, mm-hmm. you're going to go through this. So the the symptoms, which of course I can teach all about, but uh, I I'm getting to it. But the symptoms are really like PMS on crap, right? Like they're they're like PMS on you know, super elevated. and I don't want to use any trigger words for anybody. So, um, but, but you know what? Magdalena, I have that, that early recovery guide that I wrote. Um, It's like, I think, 48 pages, eight sections, takes you through everything you need to know. Yeah. To expect. And I, and I wrote, I, I created it for, right? When people do dry January, dry October, whatever month they choose to do dry, so that you can be educated and have the information there. Right? So, um well, I think what you could probably do is reach out to either one of us and say, Hey, I heard the show today. Can I get a link for the early sobriety guide? Yeah. Now I know that's us asking you to step out of your comfort zone and like raise your hand and say, I'd like to have the early sobriety guide. So feel free to say, hey, I want to send it to a friend. Yeah. We're okay <laughs> with that, right? We're yeah. okay with that. Because really we're just gonna send you a link. Um, and and that's and that's that. I know I don't believe in in any high pressure or anything, like if. If you need some support and guidance we know what we're here right like we're here and you know I know I know all too well that until somebody's ready it's not gonna work anyway yeah and
0: I'll be just so you guys know I'll be uh, dropping a link in the show notes um, for a consultation time with Trisha too and I, I can't uh, recommend it enough um, you know there's there's uh it's a great time of year to actually, I think personally start it's a seasonal affective disorder, also known as sad. Um, you know, there is more Mm -hmm. people dying, so there's more grief. Um, you know, it just, just like adds up. And so, you want to just dive in right now and and connect with her, and then I have other um, options that uh, you can again reach out to Tricia directly or myself. I'll have your contact information in the show notes. Um, where else? I have one more question to ask you before you go. Um, sure. Where else can people find you?
1: Um, you know, you I, I, because I know everybody likes to get to that no trust like factor, right? Um. I think you can see my name, right? You can just, yep. you can It'll Google be. me, right? Like you can Google me, but of course I have a website. It's turningleafsrecovery.com and that's L E A V E S. Um, and you can poke around there. Um, again, you can just Google search me. I've been around for a long time. Um, Facebook, Instagram as I am Trisha Perito. Again, I don't do a ton on social media, but if you really feel like you want to poke around in my biz, Please feel free.
0: <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, one more uh, word from our sponsor. As you guys know, uh, plant medicine and and specifically microdosing for eighteen months straight uh, really helped me. Through my recovery time, and uh, and, I, and I always say healing my relationship with alcohol. Mine wasn't super extreme, so I I do choose to partake from time to time. And, and so for me, it was it was more about that relationship. But then also just making sure you guys have awareness of multiple tools um, mm-hmm. for you to to play with. So let's let's hear from Soul Vine as one of those options to help you go within and heal your addiction through the holidays. Healthy and Wealthy and Wise is proudly sponsored by The Soul Vine, your number one go-to source for ayahuasca microdosing. This ayahuasca is legal. It is the cappy vine. There is no DMT extract or molecule as a part of it, and it can and will transform your life from the inside out. Supporting the Shipibo tribe from South America, this is my go-to source for healing. Learn more at microdosingforhealth.com. Yay, excellent. Well, thank you so much, Trisha, for, for being on here and sharing your wisdom um, at a very uh, divine time uh, that we schedule this. Um, I always ask the same question to every guest at the end. When you hear the phrase healthy and wealthy and wise, what does it mean for you?
1: Ooh, you know what? It just sends me directly into my life's mantra, which is, "This is my life too. It gets to look, feel, be however I want it to. I get to choose. Mm. And we're all unique beings, right? So what's healthy for me may not be for you, right? Like mm. just you know, like there's just there's just so much to it. Just don't ever lose sight that you are a unique being, and your journey can look, feel, and be whatever it needs to for you as an individual unique being. There is no one size fits all cookie cutter program that's going to, you know, save the world. Um, So allow yourself to be unique and create your recovery capital, however it is that suits you.
0: Beautiful. And remember, yeah, no one succeeds alone. So please uh, reach out to Tricia uh, or myself at any time. Um, We really care about you. Um, May this be a, you know, a time of of healing um, as opposed to, um, you know, getting worse. So we we appreciate you guys tuning in today. Please hit the share button. As I always say, sharing is caring. So if you do know someone struggling with any of the addictions that she mentioned, um, please do share this message at any time of year, even if it's summer, there's always an opportunity for a new beginning. Until next time, guys, here's to your best health, your best wealth, and your best wisdom. Bye-bye for now. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please subscribe, download, leave a five-star rating or review. And also please refer this to a friend you know who may benefit from this inspirational message. We hope to see you again. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel or join my Facebook community. And if you are looking to manifest your best health, your best wealth, by trusting your best wisdom within, please go to my website, www.microdosingforhealth.com. Again, www.microdosingforhealth.com to quiet your mind, get into your heart, heal your body, and